I did uh, mention that uh, we uh, titled our lessons, Discover and Develop Your God-Given Gifts. And so if you're wondering, uh, where are we getting all of this from? Well, it, there is a book, and it looks like this, and it, I think the, I don't know if it's up there yet, but it's the first slide, and it says, Discover Your God-Given Gifts. Uh, it was written uh, by Don and Katie Fortune, and... Uh, in the 1990s, I learned about it, and I liked it. I really did. And just like we said last Wednesday, where I, where I mentioned that in our time of conception, God gave us gifts, right? We were not born yet, and we did mention that God wonderfully, and, you know, he made it complex. He made us complex, and he gave us gifts at that time. And I asked you, you know, to tell your neighbor, what were you supposed to tell your neighbor? You have a what? You have a gift. So can you tell your neighbor once again, remind them again, you have a gift. Right? And so now I want all of us to say, I have a gift. I have a gift. Because we all do. Just like baby showers. What, what, what happens during baby showers? The baby is not yet born, right? They're not born yet. And what happens? They bring a lot of what? Gifts. And that's the same concept, okay? And then if you go to the second slide, you know, we looked at three categories of gifts. And I did bring a basket last uh, week, and uh, I, sh I wanted to show it to you actually in, in life uh, so you can see it. Well, we saw that uh, the orange represented the nine manifestation gifts, and these were all those gifts now, who is the one that gives us these gifts? Do you remember? And it says it's manifested, because that's why they're called manifestation gifts. So who's the one that gives these to us? The Holy Spirit. Exactly. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us these gifts, and they're manifested. That means they're going to happen when you don't even expect it. That means you cannot control it, because the Holy Spirit is in control, not you. I know that sometimes we go to different uh, churches and sometimes you see things happening. Uh, there's uh, things that are going on. And it's like, hmm, sometimes you don't. You, 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 your whole, your, the spirit that is in you tells you, you know what? That is not correct. And we're going to see that in a few minutes, okay? How all of this uh, ties in. Then we also looked at the ministry gifts. And those are the five ministry gifts. And you know what? I forgot to mention on the nine manifestation gifts, that it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's what we saw last week. And now the ministry gifts is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Who is the one that gives us these gifts? Jesus does. Jesus gave us the gifts. Remember, all the Trinity gives us gifts. We already looked at the Holy Spirit. They're called manifestation gifts. The second set of uh, gifts is the ministry gifts. Now these gives of course jesus gave it to his church and that's why we have church and you're going to see what a pastor you're going to see a teacher and all of these other ones then the one that we're going to concentrate i guess for the next two wednesdays are called the motivational gifts these are the seven motiv motivational gifts so out of the trinity who's the one that is still lacking right that we haven't mentioned it is god almighty god gave us these gifts which are the seven that we're going to be looking at. That's why I know that all of us have a gift, okay? Now, I did say that if you uh, are a believer, you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you should have at least a gift from each category. 
So all of us should have three or more gifts if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, you're going to have one of these gifts as a major one. Okay, you could have probably two and probably three. Now, with the next slide, this is what you have in your hand. It's called the gift of perception. These are the perceivers. Now, you at home, I know you don't have one of these sheets, but you're, you can see it up there. I'm going to go through all of them, kind of explain. And there's 20 characteristics of the perceiver. And then on the, what is it, on the right-hand side, you have a Likert scale, and on this Likert scale, it starts with zero, mean it never happens. It never crosses your mind. When we're filling this out, you need to remember, is it happening right now with you? If it is, that's how you're going to give yourself that little check mark. And then at the very end, we're going to add all those numbers, okay? So if you're at home, get a sheet of paper, Put 1 through 20 because those are the 20 characteristics. Next to the number, you can write either, you know, the 0, the 1, 2, 3, 4, or 5. Because 0 is never, and 5 is always. Uh, you know, the number 1 is seldom. Number 2 is sometimes. Number 3, usually. Number 4, mostly. But number 5 is all the time. Okay? So we're going to go one by one. I know it's going to be kind of long, but we need to go through it in order for you to know what gift you have. Remember what we said, that when you know what gift you have and you want to know what your daughter has and what your son has, you'll be able to what understand why they're always, you might see it, they're always negative, right? Sometimes as parents we always say, they're always negative. And I can never tell them anything. You, we need to learn how to talk to our sons, our daughters, our spouse, our friends, our co-workers. We need to learn. And I know you might say, well, I didn't come to church for this, but it's a gift. Believe it or not, God gave us a gift, and we need to know what gift it is, and not only that, how to utilize our gift in church, and not only that, how to learn how the other person is, is thinking. So we'll look, go with the number one. It says, quickly and accurately identifies good and evil. The perceiver? He quickly and accurately identifies good and evil, and he hates evil. That's, and if you, it's zero, if it's uh, never, if it's always the way you're thinking like that, it, you'll put a number five or put the check mark. Number two, sees everything as either black or white. There's no gray area for this person. It's either, you know, he's alive or he's dead, right? He can't be in the middle. Number three, easily perceives a character of individuals and groups. He can see a person and say, that person, he, he's a liar, or he's this, or he's that. He can e immediately spot that person. Number four, encourages repentance that produces good fruit or a change of heart. This is a person that always wants a person to, he didn't even say, I'm sorry. He should have said, and he should have come back and told me something. That's the perceiver, Okay. Number five, believes the acceptance of difficulties will produce positive personal brokenness and growth. What happens is they believe that if, uh, if difficulties don't come to his life, that means he's not growing. And he'll say, you know what? I, I'm not growing in the Lord. That's the way they think. Has only a few or no close friendships. This is number six. Why do you think he doesn't have friends? Well, he doesn't have friends because he sees everybody as black and white. And he can say, you know what? Uh, he's my friend, not my friend. Easily. 
okay, and usually doesn't have a lot of friends. Number seven, views the Bible as the basis for truth. He has belief, action, and authority. I mean, that's what he believes. The Bible has authority, has action, belief, and truth. This is the perceiver. And nothing will sway him to the right or to the left, okay? Uh, uh, Number eight, boldly operates on spiritual principles. Very spiritual. The perceiver is the most spiritual of all the gifts that we're going to be looking at. And guess what? He has to be clean all the time. And when I say clean, is he, there should not be any sin in his heart. Because if he is, has sin, he doesn't see the, what the spiritual things in life or in the church. Uh, number, um, number nine is frank, blunt, outspoken, and doesn't mince words. He'll tell you the way it is, right? He'll just spit it out, won't mince words, won't beat around the bush, Tells you right straight the way, okay? This is the perceiver. Number 10 is very persuasive in speaking. He can sell, like they say, they can sell you ice in what? In Alaska, an Eskimo, right? That's usually a, a, something that we say. Like here, down here, you know, they can sell you a, a heater, even it's what, in, in mid-July, and it's so hot, and they'll sell you a heater at that time. Number 11 Grieves deeply over the sins of others. When they know that somebody else is sinning, it bothers them, especially in the church. Oh, my gosh, I wish I could go and tell Orlando, you know, he's in sin. It bothers that person a lot. There's other people that the the opposite of that is, I don't care. It's his life, whatever he wants to do, right? But the perceiver doesn't. Number 12, is eager to see his or her own blind spots and to help others see theirs too. So not only do they see their own faults, they'll go and tell your faults as well. Did you know, Orlando, you know, this, this, this? You have it too, and it's worse. Okay, this is the perceiver. Number 11, desires above all else to see God's plan worked out in all situations. So he wants to see God's plan all the time. And that is, there's nothing bad about that. It, I think that's even good. Number 14, strongly promotes the spiritual growth of groups and individuals. He wants everybody in church to grow up, to mature. Why are you still thinking so childish? That those are the things that are crossing his or her mind. Why don't you grow up? Right? We even tell our own kids that. You're still talking like a little kid, right? Um, so this is the person, he wants what? Spiritual growth. Uh, it's called to intercession, he is, uh, uh, um, sometimes even, you know, come, uh, they ask him, can you come in? Can you listen to what's going on? Help us out. Number 16, feels the need to verbalize or dramatize what he or she sees. They're really good in verbalizing. Well, I went to the store this morning. It was 8 o'clock. It was nice and cool, and the, the cold front was coming in. I mean, they'll tell you every single little detail. They're really good with details. Number 17, tends to be introspective. He always... Or she always sees herself first inside. Am I doing, you know, am I, am I sinning? Am I good with God? Can I communicate with God clearly? Is there sin in my heart? Number 18, has strong opinions and convictions. Number 19, has strict personal standards for his own. Because he reads the Bible. He sees what the Bible is t- telling him. And number 20, desires to be obedient to God. What? At all cost it doesn't matter kill me if you want me to right so that 
is the perceiver. We've gone 1 through 20. What you need to do is calculate. While you're calculating, I wanted to see, or I'll tell you about five problems with the perceiver. And you probably already saw them as we were looking at the characteristics. But one, number one, tends to be judgmental and blunt. They, they see a person and they say, oh, that, that's not a Christian. They're not a Christian because if they were a Christian, they wouldn't be doing this. This is very judgmental, right? Number two, forgets to praise partial progress. They don't, I mean, if they see that you're growing up, they, what, hurry up. And they won't, they're not the ones to give you a, sometimes a pat on the back to say, good job. I mean, you took the first step. Let's go take the next step. They don't like to see uh, partial progress. They want, I mean, are you going to get to the goal? Are you going to finish? And then he, he or she is pushy and trying to get others to mature spiritually. They can't wait. It's like, hurry up. Number four is intolerant of opinions and views that differ from their own. So they won't accept anybody else's, what, viewpoints, uh, no, nobody else's uh, opinions. And then they struggle with self-image problems a lot. They want to look good in front of people. They want to talk well in front of uh, uh, people as well, Ar be articulate as well. So these are the problems with the perceiver. You know, a, a good one that I can tell you biblically was John the Baptist. While you're calculating. John the Baptist, you know, he confronted the priests. And I don't know if you remember, but he told the priests, you offspring of what? Of vipers. And he didn't mince words. And he told them just the way they were. And he, he, um, what he uh, did is he was outspoken. He grieves over the sin of others. Um, he encourages repentance. And he told them to repent. He didn't mince words at all, and he identified evil. He said, you know, you're just a group of vipers, and you, do, you put more um, weight on people than on yourselves. And he was clear and cut and tells them just the way it is. So that is the perceiver. Okay, are we good? Yes? Okay. Let's go to the gift of serving. Again, these are all the 20 characteristics. That's the second page. And then we will have, uh, you know, the Likert scale that's there from zero to five. And let's look at the server. The next slide. These, the server easily recognizes practical needs. They sometimes need, they know that the, the church needs to be cleaned. The church needs to be decorated. The church needs to be done this or that because they know that, it, you know, it's just practical. It's just necessary. Number two. Especially enjoys manual projects. You give them a project, they'll do it. You give them a certain job, they'll take off. You know, they tell them, you know, we're going to have a function on Saturday. You know, and then they're the, sometimes in the first one, I, I can bring a, a, a bowl of rice. Or I can bring beans. Or I can bring whatever, right? Number three, keeps everything in meticulous order. They're the ones that have, they, at home, they know where the spoons go, where the forks go, where the knives go. Everything is in order. All the color of the... The, the dresses are from pink to black, and they're all different. They're, everything is in, in, in concrete order, right? Everything. And I told you that uh, sometimes, you know, they tell you, this is the way you're supposed to store your shoes. You have to put them back in the shoe box, and you label them, and you put all that. And they want to label everything at the house, okay? This is the server. 
Uh, number four is a detailed person with a good memory. They never forget anything, right? You, you, I remember on October 5th, 1913, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, you said this and you said that. They will remember the day, the time, everything. Uh, they enjoy showing hospitality. They know, uh, you know what, they're going to need what? Uh, would you like coffee with that? And then after they finish eating, would you like some water with that? Uh, would you like water to take home or, or whatever, a, a drink? Number six, we'll stay with something until it is completed. They'll stay until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and they're finishing whatever project that was given to them. Now, if you go to bed at 10, then you're, that, this is not you, okay? Because you say, well, I'll, fin I'll continue tomorrow. Uh, um, number seven, has a hard time saying no to requests for help. They'll just, what? Uh, cover themselves with even more responsibilities and they'll just add it on to their shoulders. They'll just say, they don't, they don't know how to say no, in other words. Number eight is more interested in meeting the needs of others and their own needs. That could be a problem because sometimes they'll say, well, I need to be in church, but then they neglect everybody at home, right? So it, this might be the case sometimes. Number nine, enjoys working on immediate short-term goals rather than long-term goals. They like to uh, do the small projects, it's completed, and the long-term goals, they have a difficulty with that sometimes. Number 10, shows love for others in deeds and actions more than words. They're the ones that say, if you love me, show me that you love me, right? Don't tell me. Don't tell me that you love me. Show me. By what? Washing the dishes. By what? Mopping the floor. Cleaning the house, right? It's show me. Don't tell me. Number 11, needs to feel appreciated. The server needs to be told, oh, that's a great job. I love, uh, the, the, the meal that you just gave me was so wonderful. All the, she loves or he loves to be what? Appreciated. So if your spouse is sometimes telling you, because that happens sometimes to me, that's what I'm telling you, you didn't even say thank you. Oh, okay, thank you, you know, uh, because we forget sometimes, right? Tends to do more than ask to do. Right? They always go above and beyond. They don't have slow, medium, and fast. They have only stop and fast. Okay? They never know. It's like that, what is it, the Energizer Bunny? They just go, keep on what? Going and going on and going on. They just, they have the strength of God in them. I'm just going to say that. Um, feels greatest joy in doing something that is helpful. That's what they love to do. Does not want to lead others or projects. They are the ones that are sometimes behind the scenes. And they'll take everything. They'll do everything else. Okay? But they don't want to be up front. Like me right here. They hate to be in front of people. They like to be in the back doing everything else. Okay? Um, has a high energy level. Just like I said, that energizer. Uh, the ener energizer bunny. Cannot stand to be around clutter. If they... Sometimes you're eating. As you're eating, they're picking up after you, the napkin. And, the, and what happened? And they'll, and they'll say, oh, are you done with that? And they just start cleaning up after you. It's like, I'm not even done eating, right? Are you done with that plate? And they already put, pull it out from under you or, or were, you know, from the table. So they cannot stand clutter. Sometimes you might go, this server might go visit a house and they see all the clutter. Did you see the house? Oh, my gosh. You know, and they are just... Everything is all over the place. If I could be at their house, I could just put everything in order in boxes and, and, and you know, saving uh, or those bins, right? The, 
the plastic bins. Um, number 17 tends to be a perfectionist, okay? They want everything straight in order. Everything has a sequence. Number 18 views serving to be a primary importance in life. They think serving each other is the best thing, and that's what everybody should do. And prefers doing a job to delegating it. They're not good delegators. They're the ones that are going to do everything. Okay? They, again, they don't like to be in the lead delegating everything. Number 20, supports others who are in leadership. They always say, no, 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 not me. Uh, I'll help um, uh, Orlando. I'm going to keep on using my name. I'll help Orlando. Let him do, uh, tell us what to do, and I'll be over here doing everything. Now, what are the problems of the server? Well, it's critical of others who do not help with obvious practical needs. You know, when we have functions outside on Saturdays or whatever day that we come in, there are the first ones that start picking up all the chairs. And you, the rest of us are sitting down, right? Oh, I, what? It's finished? It's already done? I didn't even know it was done, the activity. Well, they did say at 8.30, it's 8.15, but they're already picking up the tables, the chairs, and kind of moving everybody uh, because they feel that that's it. We, we need to clean up. Number two, may neglect own family's needs by being too busy helping others, just like what I mentioned earlier. Number three, may become pushy or interfering in, eager, in eagerness to help. And then number four, finds it hard to accept being served by others. They're the ones, no, 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 you sit down. I'll stand up, right? And no, I'll, I'll wash the dishes, right? Because sometimes we criticize, did you see her? She came over and she didn't even bother to say, you, I can wash the dishes while you're cleaning up the table. She just sat there the whole time and we, we're, they're very critical of the other person, right? Didn't serve, didn't pick up, didn't help. Is easily hurt when unappreciated. This person, the server, needs to be told, you know, thank you so much. I appreciate your, uh, your efforts. Uh, nobody could have done it like you. Oh, they love that type of praise, okay? So who would be a good example in the Bible? The good example is Martha. Remember, Martha, Martha, right? Martha and Mary, of course, were the sisters of Lazarus. And M Martha saw that, you know, Mary just sat down, what, at, at Jesus' uh, uh, feet, and she just wanted to hear his word. And, and, and Martha tells Jesus, Jesus, you know, tell Mary, my sister, to help me. Here I am preoccupied and serving you, all of you, and doing all of these things. And, and what did Jesus say? Or what did Jesus tell um, uh, Martha? He told her, you know what? Mary has selected the best thing because you're only going to have me here for, one, for some time. After this, I'm not here again. Now, the server shows hospitality. She, thinks, she or he thinks of all the little details. Uh, they show love with actions, and that's what they say. If you love me, show me that you love me. Don't just, uh, you know, tell me that you love me. Uh, they always do more than needed, and this was Martha, because she went above and beyond. And she sees serving as an all-important activity. Okay, so this is a server. Are we okay with the tallying? Yes, Good. I did tell you to bring your, uh, your cell phone so you can, it can help us out, right? Now we're going to go to the gift of teaching. I am a teacher of Sunday school, and this one hurts. But anyway, i got to go through it, right? i got to go through it. Number one, presents truth in a logical, systemic 
way. And that's the way teachers are. They, the teachers, and if you're a teacher at school, you want to teach step by step by step, right? Number two, validates truth by checking out the facts. They always want to know, is it true or not? That's the teacher, right? Number three, loves to study and do research. Most of the teachers do, not all of them. But most of the ones that, are, that have this gift do. They want to know they want to study a little bit more. They want to research a little bit more. Uh, number four, enjoys word studies. They like to know, so what, you know, the, 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 the word hospitality, where does it come from? Is it Latin? Is, is it a Latin word? Where, where does it exactly come from? So they're always looking for that uh, type of, um, of research. Number five, prefers to use biblical illustrations rather than life illustrations. Just like what I'm doing right now. I told you about Martha. I told you uh, about uh, John the Baptist. So we like to go to the Bible to give you those illustrations. Gets upset when scripture is used out of context. Oh my gosh, this bothers me. I'm guilty. When somebody is up here or where I hear it on TV and they're talking and saying this. Like, no, the Bible doesn't say that. And, and my wife, I'm sorry, but I always use her as an example. Because as we're getting... Uh, you know, before Sunday school, we were listening to people on, on TV, some of the preachers there and evangelists, and there I'm criticizing them big time. And I'm saying all the time in my wife, did you hear that? Look what he said and look what she said or whatever. And she says, yes, yes, I hear you. Okay, good. I just want you, I just want to make sure that you heard me, right? So we're always getting upset when the scripture is being used out of context, Number seven, feels concerned that truth be established in every situation. I always tell my, my, my children or my boys, I say, everything I do is for a reason. So every situation is what? There's, I'm going to tell you the truth about it. And there, everything is for a reason. Number eight is more objective than subjective. It kind of ties in with the first one because usually it's a check, a check off. Okay, uh, did he have, you know, let's say, did he comb his hair? Yes, check. Did he have a nice shirt on? Check. So that means objective. I, I go through a checklist and, and, okay, now it's true. I won't go through subjective. Well, I feel, no, you don't feel. That's the teacher. Teachers don't go through a lot of feelings. They, they just say, it's either this or that. Almost, almost like the first uh, gift that we were looking at. Easily develops and uses a large vocabulary. There's a lot of teachers out there that love to use big vocabulary. I'm not one of them. And you know why they use it? To intimidate the person. The one that's receiving the, those words, they love to use that. Okay? So th that way, oh, what is he telling me? What is she telling me? It's just to confuse you and you don't even know what I'm talking about. Number 10, emphasizes facts and the accuracy of words. So I like to do those type of things to check. Number 11, checks out the source of knowledge of others who teach. Okay, let me see. Where are you getting that from? Who told you this, right? And I've experienced that, some of those things, that sometimes there's people out there that come and visit me sometimes, and they say, well, the Bible says this. And sometimes a very common one in, in the Hispanic culture is, ayúdate que te ayudaré, right? That God says, help yourself and then I'll help you. And it's like, where is that, right? And... We, we don't like that. Teachers don't. Uh, prefers teaching believers to engaging in evangelism. 
That's why sometimes you won't see a lot of teachers going up to the doors and knocking here. Hello, how are you doing? I'm bringing you the word of, of God or the, the gospel. But what they'd like is bring me the people and I'll teach them here in church. That's what a, a teacher does. Okay, bring them, congregate them and I'll teach them instead of going out there to bring them in. Okay, number 13 feels Bible study is foundational to the operation of all the gifts. That's what the teacher believes. If we don't teach you, you're not going to understand everything else. That's what they believe. Okay? Solves problems by starting with scriptural principles. Okay? All the time, if you have a question, they say, oh, it must be in the Bible. Let's go to the Bible. Let's go see. What happened to Job? What happened to all of these? What happened to Paul? What happened? And everything, all the answers should be in the Bible. Is intellectually sharp. They're smart. Is self-disciplined. They can, what? Uh, discipline their hearts. They can say no to a lot of things. Is emotionally self-controlled. You, they're the ones that sometimes, even in church, they won't even clap. They're just like that. Or like this. Holding the chair, thinking the chair is going to run away, right? Or, or things like that. They sometimes are not very, no, they don't express themselves a lot. The teachers. Has only a select circle of friends, just a few, and they don't need too many, because remember, he believes what? The Bible as well. Has only a select uh, circle of friends, has strong convictions and opinions based on investigation of facts. So he has strong convictions and opinions. He won't change his mind, in other words. Believes truth has the intrinsic power to produce change. So who is the truth? We know that Jesus is what? The truth. So he believes that Jesus has the intrinsic power to produce change. And if you don't have Jesus, you're not going to change. That's what they believe. Now, problems of the teacher. All of them, all of us have problems. We all have issues, right? We sometimes, you might see a teacher and you say, oh, they're so intellectual, they're so smart, and they, they're, I mean, oh my gosh, they're away from sin and all these things. And they have problems. Everybody does. Number one, tends to neglect the practical application of truth. Okay? Sometimes they don't even apply it to themselves. That's sometimes, sometimes problems with the teacher. It's slow to accept viewpoints of other people. You won't change their minds so easily. They tend to develop pride in intellectual ability. They think they're so smart. They're the ones, oh, I'm so smart. My son is so smart. Oh, really? Yeah, I used to have those friends, and they would say, my son, or, I'm so smart, I know how to do it, I built what? Or sometimes they, they, they can be teachers too. I, I, I build, a, you know, I, I started a, a business, and I know how to do it, and no, you didn't do it yourself. But anyway, they're very prideful, these teachers. Tends to be legalistic and dogmatic. Well, this is the way it is, and this is the way it's written, and they'll fight you, that they're legalistic is easily sidetracked by new interests. That's another thing that's wrong, that they hear something new, and then they go on to that. So these are the problems or the issues. Usually I, I give you the problems because those are the things we need to pray for. Lord, help me to not be doing these things, right? Um, now, who was a teacher? Apollos. You know, he was well-versed in the Scripture. 
Paul mentions him. Now, he was intellectually sharp. That's why he had a lot of followers. And that was the discussion Paul was saying. Because some people were saying in the church, I follow Brother Ike because I just love the way he preaches. And then some would say, I love to follow or I like Brother Thomas because I, I follow him. And then there, some others are going to say, no, I follow Brother uh, Duke uh, uh, DeBacchus. And some say, no, I, I follow Brother Soto, Pastor Soto. And some others, no, I follow. It's like, no, that shouldn't be happening. Paul said, yes, Paul, I mean, uh, Apollos is intellectually sharp. He is well-versed. But, you know, he doesn't give you the growth. Who's the one that gives us the growth? Jesus, right? Or God. Now, he was eloquent in speaking. That's why they liked him. If you look at, at the Bible, and some, I'm just giving you an example. He was a logical thinker as well. But he had his problems too. We're almost done. The gift of exhortation. Again, there's 20 characteristics. And we're going to go quickly through them. Now, the exhorter, he loves to encourage others to live victoriously. And remember, exhorter is not someone that's going to come and tell you all your truths. An exhorter is the one that comes over and they're going to what? Encourage you. They're going to be there for you. They're the ones that, you know, if you feel lonely, they'll come next to you. They won't say probably a word to you, but they're there. I'm here for you. I'll be your supporter. Uh, I'll be your best cheerleader. They'll tell you all these type of things. So they love to encourage others to live victoriously. Now, number two, wants a visible response when teaching or speaking. So if I was an exhorter up here, and I'm trying to encourage you, I want to see some people laughing. Makes me feel good, let's say. Uh, I would like someone to say, oh, yes, hallelujah, yes. You know, we, the, the, the exhorter loves to see those type of actions. From whom? The audience. Number three, prefers to apply truth rather than research it. He hears something uh, that, oh, so-and-so preacher is saying that, or an evangelist, and you know what, I'm going to bring it to my church, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. Like, oh, hold on, research it a bit, right? Apply the Bible, you know, look at it, okay? Because remember, he just likes to encourage, encourage. Uh, number four, prefers systems of information that have practical application. Uh, number five, loves to pres prescribe precise steps of action to add or to aid personal growth. So he likes to say, these are the things we're going to do. Plan it out very, very well. And then it's for who's good? For everybody's good, okay? Uh, focuses on working with people. They love to be around people. He's gregarious, uh, loves to have friends, uh, likes people to like him, um, wants uh, everybody to love him. You know, the, the, that's the, the, the exhorter. Um, focuses on working with people. That was number six. Number seven, encourages others to develop in their personal uh, ministries. You know, you have a little ministry going on in, in the church. And, and, you know, I have this, you have that. Okay, so he encourages. Yeah, let's do it. And I'll be here for you. I can help you out, right? Uh, eight, number eight, finds truth in experience and then validates it with scripture. So he finds some truth because he's lived it. And then he says, oh, let me go into, into the scripture. And oh, yeah, I can relate now. But he starts with himself or herself first. And then they add the scripture. They love to do personal counseling. They love to, you know, give him advice, give him a lot of, you know, 
uh, the counselors usually are the ones, right? I'll, uh, yeah, yeah, you could have done it this way. You could have done it that way. Um, so they love to do personal counseling. Number 10, we'll discontinue personal counseling if no effort to change is seen. So the person that he's counseling or she is counseling, if they see that there's no growth or they haven't changed, they'll just say, that's it. This, is, this was your final, um, you know, um, what is it, Ser service to you or help or consultation. Uh, number 11 is fluent in communication. They're very good speakers. They have like the oil. You remember the Wizard of Oz? The Tin Man. He has or she has a lot of oil. And they can just talk, 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 talk. Like, stop! Right? But they just talk, talk, talk the, most of the time. They're very, very good in communication. And you've noticed that when I'm here, up here, uh, my jaw gets locked. Okay? I can't talk. So I'm not an exhorter. But the exhorter is the opposite. Uh, number 12, view trials as opportunities to produce personal growth. So they like for issues, um, how can I say issues, like situations to come their way. And if it comes their way, they're going to say, I can try to resolve this and I'm going to grow. I'm growing. The teacher is the opposite. The teacher doesn't want conflict. That's why I'm a teacher. <laughs> I don't like conflict in my classroom, in my workspace as a teacher. Totally the opposite. Uh, number 13, accepts people as they are without judging them. Remember the teacher judges them? Well, the exhorter is totally the opposite. We say, don't judge me. Don't judge them, right? They all come the way they are with everything on them. They can have earrings all over. They can have all of this. And they're not bothered by it at all. But the teacher is. She's bothered, right? Or he's bothered. But uh, the exhorter says, don't judge them. First, let's bring him in, let's love him, and then probably they'll be changed. Number 14, is greatly loved because of his or her positive attitude. See, he, he loves people to love him, or she. Not only that, people do love him because he's always encouraging, or she's always encouraging. Always telling them, you know, that was good. Oh, I love the way you talked. It was so well said. And remember, they have oil in their jaws, and they can just keep on talking. Uh, number 15, prefers to witness with their life rather than verbal witnessing. So they'll say, well, look at the way I'm living. And you'll know that that is a Christian. I am a Christian by the way I live my life. Okay? Number 16, makes decisions easily. Really fast. They know what to do. Uh, and they don't have to think a lot. Number 17, always completes what is started. If you give them a task, finishes up, finishes the task until it's uh, completed. Wants to clear up problems, conflicts with others quickly. So if there are any conflicts with anybody, let's say in the family, they want to, okay, let's, let's go to the, how can we take care of this? They want to easily take care of things. No, let's discuss it. Some others are in the family. No, we need to go through all the details and whose fault was it? See, it's the research. The teacher wants to know whose fault was it? Because they know only black or white, right? The, the exhorter seems to be thinking a lot about gray, right? They are the ones that, uh, I don't like conflict, a lot of conflict. Number 19, expects a lot of self and others. They themselves set a standard for themselves, and they expect a lot from themselves and also other people. 
And then number 20, needs a sounding board for bouncing off ideas and thoughts. He has or she has an idea, and, and someone's around me, and I'll just, hey, what did you think? What did you think about this, this, this? And they just go on and on and on, and they want your opinion, okay? They want to hear you. Now, does he have uh, or she have uh, problems? Yes. Here's the problems for the exhorter. <laughs> Tends to interrupt others in eagerness to give their opinion or advice. They tell you, what do you think? And then you start telling them, and then, wait, wait, but I think, and they never let you finish your thoughts because their thoughts are more important than yours, okay? Number two, we'll use scripture out of context in order to make a point. Remember I told you that I listen to, um, on Sunday mornings, and those are, they're encouragers, okay? These are the exhorter. We call them exhorter, but it's an encourager, and sometimes they use things out of context. Number three, may be cut and dried in prescribing uh, steps of actions, and is outspokenly opinionated, has a lot of opinions, right, this person, and then can become overly self-confident. Because they think, okay, I got it all together, I have it all planned out, and not only that, I can express myself and people will listen. I want to be liked by people, okay? Now, who is a good exhorter? Well, a good exhorter was Barnabas. I don't know if you remember, but there was conflict in the church. You know, Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem was all together. However, there was a, a church in um, Antioch, and they had some issues. They couldn't accept them. And there were some discussions going on. And they, the church in Jerusalem said, you know what? Let's send someone to the church of Antioch so we can go and see what's going on over there. So we can take care of what the issues that are going on there in the church. So they said, you know what? Let's send Barnabas. Because Barnabas, well, his name, Barnabas, means son of encouragement. So he's going to encourage. I mean, it fit him just well, right? Uh, he could encourage people, he, and, and he liked what he saw. Uh, he was always positive, always joyful. He encouraged a faithfulness, and he encourages the ministry. So this is a real good example, biblical example of uh, an exhorter, okay? And I know I kind of went super fast, but anyway, guess what? It's already time. Time has already passed. So we've gone through four gifts. We're going to look at the three gifts next Wednesday. And then we're going to tally it because you're going to find out. And more or less you know which one probably you have. But you're going to see that what is your greatest gift. And then you'll see a second one tallied. And then the third one, the third highest. After that, we're going to continue to give you biblical um, scriptures to tell you, you know, where is the perceiver in the body of Christ? Where is the exhorter? Where is the teacher? Where is all these people in the body of Christ? And I told you that all of these gifts are real important. If I'm a teacher, I'm important, right? If, uh, if she is a, a perceiver, she's important in this church. And I told you, all of us are important. We all have to share our gifts. And some of us, we're just thinking, I don't have a gift. Yes, you do. That's what we're trying to find out. You have a gift. Let's use it. And you know what? When you use it, we'll be complete. Because when we don't use it, what happens? Our little pinky is important, just like our little pinky and our toes, right? Is important to balance ourselves. Because if not, we're always going to be lopsided. 
If I don't use a little pinky on my toe. If I only have one eye, well, I can't see everybody on this side. I have to turn away all the way around so I can see everybody, right? So those, that's why I tell you, you are important. Yes, I'm encouraging you. Yes, I am. That we all need to understand what our gift is, and we got to use it. I don't want anybody saying, I don't have a gift. Yes, we do, okay? So I'm going to stop at this time, and what I'm going to ask you is, please take your folder with you. You don't have to give it to us. Put it in your car. Don't even take it down because I know maybe next Wednesday you'll what? Forget. Exactly. So we need you to continue. With, uh, we'll give you the next sheets uh, for next Wednesday. We'll go through the same process. By the end of, of uh, uh, next week, we'll go through that, finish the other three gifts. We'll tally them all. We'll give you some time, some examples as well. And we'll talk a little bit. And then the next uh, Wednesday after that, we're going to have an activity okay, that uh, we're going to be sharing because we want to see what the gifts express in this church. And then I'm going to probably even ask some of you, if you already ranked yourself, I need you because we're going to probably place you up here up front so we can what? See who is the perceiver, who is the teacher, who is the exhorter, who is in this church. We need to identify them so we can help each other. That's the only way we're going to do it. If we are truly uh, the church of Christ, we need to help each other and we're going to grow and mature. Remember, that's the whole purpose of this. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.